I'm actually not even sure I can look at you, Scott. Oh, what? Why? I just... I actually feel quite... Betrayed? Why? Like, I don't know. How how much do you value this podcast that we do between us? This one? Yeah. Yeah, I value it. A lot? Yeah. Like, how much would you let get in the way? What did I... What? Because I feel like you're letting big things get in the way. Big things? Things that you don't even tell me about. Things you don't even give me warning about. I don't even think I know about it. Like, how much does your job interfere? With, how much is your job going to interfere with this podcast? My job? Yeah. My job doesn't interfere with the podcast at all. I feel like this specific job that you've signed up for is going to interfere with this podcast. What? You're going to be getting a lot of duty duties with this job. What have I done? And I feel like I'm just feeling a bit vulnerable. <laughs> this is so because <laughs> I feel like second opinion is going to come further and further down that list. Second. The more duties you, the more duties you get, and it's just making me quite vulnerable. When were you planning to tell me that you are the prime minister of Australia? Oh, Danny, God, really? That's what you fucking were leaning in with? Phone on the floor. Got. I got fucking. I got two. <laughs> What was it? I think two two people posted on my Facebook wall, and then someone mentioned me in a comment, and then also when I got to work, like two people had jokes to make, and I'm like, ah, it's getting a bit, it's getting a bit. So it's worse than when there used to be a Scott Morrison that played for Aberdeen Football Club. <laughs> this is quite a lot bigger. This is a, this is bigger. <laughs> Imagine if I lived in Australia. <laughs> People would be checking their phone. Like, Scott, he, he he moved to Australia, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking grew, grew up the place. Not only did he quite. move to Australia, he got into politics and rose up the ladder very quickly. <laughs> um, I can't believe that was what you were going. It's for. so bizarre. I was That's like, old news as well. Uh, it was, it, uh, I've actually didn't know about it because uh, I don't like I don't go as fa- Facebook as much, so I didn't mm. see any of that. But You're like not up to date on Australian, politics? but it really caught me off guard. Um, I was listening to a podcast today that was like it's it, they're in australia and they talked about the prime minister scott morrison and i like just walking almost tripped <laughs> over because i was like what yeah <laughs> it was so so really really bizarre nobody tweeted at our friend scott morrison nobody nobody mentioned him it was all at me it was all directed at me <laughs> this scott morrison it is so bizarre having that like because we seem to run into a lot of scott morrisons yeah well too and then the one who plays for Aberdeen Football Club, and now the Prime Minister. The of one Australia. who went to the LCD Sound System gig. Who? Remember, we went to the LCD Sound System gig to pick up, and then we picked up tickets there. But there was oh, another yeah, Scott Morrison, <laughs> which the person was confused by. God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of it's a common name. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's just biz- it's bizarrely specific. I had lazy parents. <laughs> ah, just fucking, I don't know, Scott Morrison. That'll work. Next, um, <laughs> next child. Um, I, from what I understand, understand it was a it was a tactical vote to vote for Scott Morrison because it was like to keep another guy out, okay, or something. I don't know. Not not very brushed up on my own <laughs> politics. Are you excited for Brexit, Danny? Uh, not long now. Slow motion car crash. Who's Brexit. who's? I, I'm excited. See how it, all this plays out. Can't wait. It's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. Even the Prime Minister knows it's going to be bad. And she's, she's fucking useless. And let's not get political on the show now. <laughs> We're talking about movies. Movies. And sometimes TV shows, which I'd like to do now. Ooh. 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 Curveball. I, this week, finished the hit HBO series, The Leftovers. Okay. And thought it was real... Good, Danny. Real amazing. To clarify, this is the one that was made by the series creators. So, yes, it was created by 
<clears throat> I think it was co-created by Damon Lindelof, who is one of, who was one of the head writers on Lost, which you're known to be like uh, like a semi fan of. Uh, I I'm a bit of a fan. I was just telling you, I uh, I went to Comic Con. Glasgow Comic Con. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so you're in San Diego. We're not there yet. You're in Hull. <laughs> uh, I went to Comic Con with the mission of I wanted to find something to do with Lost because I thought there's going to be all this nerd merchandise. Someone's got to have something. Hmm. And sure enough, you go in, there's just piles, tables with just piles of stuff. Which, incidentally, like, it's all garbage. Hmm. like a lot of it stuff that isn't like comics and things that are made by you know kind of independent creators and stuff but the 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 merch stuff that you can buy is trash and people charge a fortune for it like we uh, like i was standing at this table and um there was a guy picked up this really shitty venom toy looked like something that would come out of a happy meal (laughs) and he's like hey how much is this Twenty pounds the guy wanted for it. Ooh. Twenty pounds. And he's like, Oh, if, if that if that's too much, this pile here of shitty toys also, these are only ten pounds each. I'm like, You are an extortionate individual. Why is it so expensive for fucking dirty bullshit? Like, incidentally, Danny found a Yondu sixty pounds. So thanks again for buying me that Yondu that you found for twelve pounds. You wanna tell that story? Um <laughs> Well, that's just an unfortunate story. I saw Yon like the the only Guardian of the Galaxy pop vinyl you don't have is Yondu. Yeah, and I saw him in Forbidden Planet, and I was like, oh, they must have restocked him. But he's very rare now. He's you very have to rare. Pay, like people pay like stupid amounts of money yeah. for him, and he just he just wasn't anywhere. Um, but he came into he came up in Forbidden Planet, and I was like, oh, they just must be restocking him. Um. So I, I I had it in my hand as well, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to buy it just in case Scott has already bought it. If it's restocked, he's probably seen it, and he might have just bought it. No. So I don't want to like buy it." And I was like, "I'm I I was like, well, I'm going I'm walking past this way again soon anyway. So I'll I'll phone him when he comes out of work and ask him. And then when I went back to Forbidden Planet, it was gone. And then I had a very enthusiastic <laughs> Forbidden Planet Peter person. Um, geeks very much love to talk about um, uh, geek stuff yep. uh, to anyone who listens. Especially pop pop vinyl for something that's so kind of simple. Simple, yeah. There is a there's a ridiculous <clears throat> fandom for it. Yeah, uh, and she was she told explained to me that there in fact was only six on sale that day, mm. which it, in my defence. What were the Why chances? Why would you know? I yeah. like I I went I I don't really go into that Forbidden Planet very often, mostly because it's just so small in yeah, Glasgow. It's always packed. Um, and I went in one. This wasn't even for me. I think I went in with Bernadette, and it was um, we were looking for a present for someone else, and I happened to see it on this random day that I randomly went to Forbidden <laughs> Planet, and it just so happened to be the day that everybody struck gold and found six Yondu toys, and I had it in my hand, and I am annoyed I didn't just buy it, but I was like. Buying it and then returning it, if I'm wrong, is less faff than just phoning them up and checking. But the t- I didn't realise it was actually more You know what, but I appreciate... You tried to be a good friend. Tried. <laughs> no, you were a good friend. I understand you're thinking, I'd have probably done the same. Yeah. But I, I still... I look, at, I look at the Guardians of the Galaxy sitting on that shelf and I'm like... Oh, we were so close. <laughs> we were so close. Uh, shout out to Bernadette, who um, every when we went back looking for it, and I could not find it for the life of me, uh, kept pointing out Nebula and going, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I found one at Comic-Con, it was £60. And I was uh, like, why is, why is this stuff all so expensive? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but um, yeah, so I found a lost bobblehead um, of... Uh, Dr. Chang who you know fans of the show will know but and you'll know him you saw an episode with him when we watched when we did the episode on I'm casting my mind back (laughs) Um, so but yeah so I finished The Leftovers and for anyone who doesn't know including yourself Danny Leftovers is a show about uh, suddenly one day 2% of the population just disappear out of nowhere not in some kind of like big bang around just like whoop, like one second they're there and then the next minute they're gone and um the show basically follows uh, a group of people who didn't vanish 
but people who have kind of lost family members and things like that and it kind of follows them and what their life is like after this event has happened and you know there's things that obviously happen there's like cults that get started because of this event you know because people are crazy um there's in the set the second season kind of focuses on a town called jordan where no one disappeared from and so people kind of see it as this miracle town and stuff and uh, it's very interesting and so I, i finished it and i thought it was really really brilliant but and I don't, I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler. It, but it became quite apparent to me about halfway through season three, which is the last season, that we probably weren't going to get a definitive answer to oh. where these people had gone. And so, but the thing about the leftovers is that it, it kind of that initial setup sort of, it's not like the main focus of the show. The main focus of the show, I think the main kind of themes of the show are, is trying to make sense of something like that. Like the human, humans like desperate need to kind of give reason to a sort of event like that. And, um, specifically the show, it kind of focuses on two characters. The main character, um, whose name is Kevin Darby and his girlfriend, Nora, um, and kind of a lot of the show kind of focuses on their relationship because they get together after this event has happened where they've you know both kind of lost people and stuff and there's a lot of things about the amount of trust they have for each other and stuff like that and so at the end i won't spoil what happens but basically at the end um you don't get a definitive answer instead you're given a sort of there's a sort of a vague reasoning for what happened and you do kind of have to come to this understanding of like that wasn't what the show was about. Hmm. The thing that the show was about has been resolved, but this overarching, like, where did all the people go? You're not going to get a definitive answer to that. So I said that to... I explained the ending to someone that I work with because he watched the first two episodes, didn't like it, didn't watch it. So when I said I finished it, he was like, how did it end? Where did they all go? And so I kind of explained it, and he's like, no, like, I hate that. Like, I would hate if I invested, you know, what the show's like, it's like 27 hours long. It's like, I'd hate if I invested that much time and didn't get an answer to something like that. He's like, I can watch Inception, and you know, spoilers for Inception, everyone's fucking seen Inception. Like, Inception ends, oh, was he dreaming? Is he still dreaming, or is he awake? It's ambiguous. Hmm. But he was like, if I'm investing that much time, I don't want to know about it. Like, I need to, I need, well, I do want to know about it. I want to know what happened. And so I was wondering what you thought about that, about that kind of, about kind of a long form way of exploring a theme without necessarily answering like an overarching kind of question like that it is tricky because with like a mystery show like that if you're starting off with the central premise is this mystery has happened yeah then it is it does feel like cheating to not tell what the what the resolution is mm-hmm. although is it specific so it's about the characters trying to get over like trying to come to terms with the fact these people kind of i think yeah because that would be different if it's like um it's like the show is almost like a meta in that sense, where where while it's watching these uh, characters get over um, these disappearing people, it's helping, it's building the audience towards like getting over mm. the fact that the mystery is not as important as you think. But uh, it would be shitty if you were like sold on this sort of mystery and yeah. this premise, and then for it not to resolve at all. I can I can understand why you wouldn't be. Into I that. don't think anyone who stuck with the leftovers would think that way yeah because like i said i think after a certain time i would say i even maybe came to this conclusion earlier than season the end like mid season three where like i came to the conclusion that we weren't going to get a definitive answer Mm. to that question but realizing that that's not what's important that there's other things that are then it sounds like the show's done like its job because i think the show does a good job of moving on from you know the first episode is quite focused on sort of but even the first because the show takes place about three years after the event initially happens okay. so you're already quite far removed from it you know what i mean people yeah, yeah. On. and it's also much more of like a spiritual show than like a sci-fi show like lost lost really weighed up the kind of balance of this argument of like man of science versus man of faith hmm. and that was kind of the core theme of that show whereas the core theme of the leftovers like i said is is 
is faith and like trying to assign meaning to something like like for example what i was saying with uh with season two like they go to this town called jardin people flock to it hmm. because they think it's some sort of like sacred ground it's probably not no you know two percent of the population is weird like it's probably just completely circumstantial that there's probably no one disappeared from this town there's probably loads of towns across the whole world that are like you know i mean it's like a a character kind of says that like towards the end of that season he's like yeah that that may not have happened but like look at all the other shitty shitty things that have happened while we've been in this town like Hmm. there's nothing sacred about this place um and i thought exploring that in the end ended up being a lot more interesting than where did the people go Hmm. and you get a kind there's a whole thing of again you are kind of given what could be the what happened to the people but the the way the show presents it is again you as the viewer and the main character who has told this story has to take it on faith has to choose whether to take it on Hmm. faith or like reject the idea completely and I think that's really interesting but I could see why someone would get pissed off if yeah. they'd been watching for that long and didn't get that resolution. But... I mean, it would be interesting to see if someone does get that far in mm. and then is pissed off with a resolution. Because if you invest that much time in the show and then the show carefully takes you, uh, like, almost disarming you and trying to figure out what's the ending and then lets you, like, the main character come to terms with the fact that you won't know fully, mm. that'd be quite an interesting way for the show to do and that would be quite, that'd be quite a brilliant way to yeah. end it. So... I thought it really was. I um, it's incredible how, again, without spoiling anything, like the the penultimate episode of the show feels like what a season finale feels like, <clears throat> hmm. and then the last episode feels like a kind of addendum almost, but it's even more important than what happens in hmm. the episode before it. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting, unique way of telling a story. I think it's kind of unlike a lot of shows that I've ever seen before. Yeah. Um, it really just, it didn't, it, it, what I thought was interesting was it just didn't really stick to like television norms and things like that. Like it really was just kind of doing its own thing. Every episode, you almost didn't know what the episode was going to be about and it would just focus on specific characters and specific themes. And there wasn't as much of like a constant push to be like, let's solve like this problem and things like that. And, um, I could see why some people would really not be into that but i thought it was pretty as someone who watches a lot of tv it's exciting yeah. when something so different and like challenging comes mm. up and i really enjoyed it and i this is my strong recommendation is watch oh, 27 episodes of the leftovers not very not very long yeah it is not very long it took me i was on a, i was in a race against uh um, now TV because it was getting taken off on October 16th and I was like <laughs> I think I was sitting there at like mid August like I could beat that <laughs> 27 well, hours I could beat that <laughs> and I did I beat it with like two weeks to spare Aww. nailed it because I got so into it once like kind of late season two hit I was like I just, I just want to know how this ends like I just need to power through I wonder if there has been a TV series with a central mystery that's been able to resolve it that satisfied everyone because mm. um, obviously Lost didn't satisfy everyone no that's lo- more up for de- that's more up for debate but it didn't like it didn't across the board satisfy people it's not even really yeah it's it's. <clears throat> I've always stood by I think I said this on our episode like I think Lost finishes well if you're in it for the characters mm. if you're in it for the mystery not so much it sounds <laughs> the same for Leftovers yeah yeah, I would say, like I said, I think, but I think The Leftovers really does steer away from, like, that you're ever really going to get an answer, you know what I mean? It kind of tries to take that hope away from you, hmm. almost, but... I'm trying to think of any shows with a central mystery um, that would resolve that. I mean, I remember X-Files apparently went on so long that it, it couldn't even keep up with its own mystery. Um, is there a central mystery to the exiles? Yeah, I think there's a conspiracy, isn't there? Is there? I know that's the point. It. Like, um, then there's even if I've got on the other side of the spectrum, like How I Met Your Mother, who is mysteries it reversed its mystery in like the last five seconds. Yeah, um, but I don't can't think of one that's been fully resolved. I wonder. I wonder if there is one. Mm. That'd be interesting to know. If anybody knows of any 
TV show where the mystery ending was really good and really like resolved itself Hit really us well. Up. Let us know. Yes, I'll jump in. What's up, people? Peopleton, welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, and with me, one of the Hong Kong Cavaliers himself, Scott Morrison. I feel I have much more of a personality than anyone that was on that <laughs> bus. Thank you very much, Danny. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, we're not here to talk about 27 hours of a show. We're here to talk about one hour and 43 minutes of a movie that we watched. Yeah. Not as much time invested there, is there, Danny? No. You're in, you're out. That's why there's always, like, in my head, a slight preference to movies, because you do just, like... You get a nice, you, consistent story. I, I like... The, or you get, like, one... So you know you're going to sit yeah. down, you're going to get... A beginning, the middle, and end. You come out a better person, changed a com- person, a complete arc. Um, um, and like, even though if you find a good TV show, it's so fucking rewarding to spend all that time mm. and uh, you invest in it. But a film, you get a complete arc. You understand all the references. You understand everything that's <laughs> happening. And also, you're not watching Buckaroo. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah, I guess that that sets it up pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, this is... um, If you haven't heard of Buckaroo Banzai... Which I feel like that would have been more the case before Ready Player One. Yeah. If you've seen Ready Player One, it's heavily referenced in that. It's the the costume he wears going to the dance is a reference to Buckaroo Banzai. I think they mention it by name quite a few times. Yeah, they say it. Well, the point of it is like both the, the male and the female love interest like... Uh, I both understand it's Buckaroo Bands I mm. reference. Good for them. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's how you know they're made for each other, that's guys, a, oh. because they get each other's I, references. Danny, let me tell you, when we get to that end of the year episode, oh, <laughs> I think we're going to need a whole episode. <laughs> but then I'm worried that I'm going to have to rewatch Ready Player One, and that makes me sad. So yeah, the thought that I might have to rewatch a film just to remind myself how much I hate it. So At we least you'll get truly... the Buckaroo bands. I, I w- certainly will. And boy, it'll change. It'll just change my life. It'll change my whole opinion. <laughs> Imagine of if you came out of it and you were like, do you know that Buckaroo? Oh, it really ties the... tied Ready Player One up. It really, really ties the room together. Huh? Actually, I, I 180'd on Ready Player One because I got the references. Ugh. So, I guess the, the, the plot of Buckaroo Banzai, as far as we, as far as we're aware from the, this standpoint as two people who have just watched the movie you have Buckaroo Banzai who is a f- every f- I think something that it's like it's like every nerd in the 80s wanted to be <laughs> where he's like what is he he's a, he's a neurosurgeon he's a neurosurgeon he's an astrophysicist astrophysicist slash rocket and a ro- rocket engineer slash rock, rock star, star. <laughs> slash uh, some sort of adventurer fighter yeah, yeah it, is, it is kind of like that they've they've fought people in the past and stuff. Um, it's like I, I said it earlier about a complete arc and getting all the references and stuff <laughs> as a criticism. I, it's, not, it's not a criticism, Buckaroo Banzai, because you can't criticize that about it because that's its point. Yeah. The central point of Buckaroo Banzai is it's like you're halfway through this long form um, arc. Kind of like the first Star Wars. The first Star Wars yeah, you're in, starts you're you in the middle. In the middle. Um, but Star Wars kind of helps ease you into everything that's happening. It definitely, it certainly does. Buckaroo Bands, I kind of just throws everything at you. Because Star Wars also has, like, the traditional... Journey of a pr- hero. Journey of a hero, and there's a, there's a protagonist that you mm. can connect to who doesn't understand what's going on. This film doesn't have that. Yeah. It doesn't have a character that you can latch onto who's like, hey, what's going on? It's just... You'd think it'd be Jeff Goldblum, because <laughs> he Jeff Goldblum's in this film and he's introduced. Well, this is going to be hard to explain without just going through the plot. Yeah, we should probably I'll um, go through the plot. Yeah. I'll try and go through it as much as I've understood it. The Buckaroo Banzai neurosurgeon, astrophysicist, rocket scientist, and rockstar has built a car. Yep, the jet car. The jet car in an attempt to break the sound barrier. No, he's trying to do more than that. Well, I thought that was the initial thing, but then, but oh, okay. secretly, they were trying to travel through dimensions. Yes. Was what I picked up from the first thing. That's why they turn off the hmm. track. Because they're like, where are they? all the government people are like, where are they going? But Buckaroo Banzai's team, they're like, well, we bloody showed them, didn't we? <laughs> we snookered them all. So, yeah, he manages to break, he manages to interdimensional... 
he, travel. He drives through a mountain, yes. and as he drives through that mountain, he breaks the barrier to the eighth dimension, yes. and manages to travel through that. Yes, he does. So that's exciting. And then, but then also, there's a scientist who tried to do it once before, and he got stuck in the wall. So half his body was in the the eighth dimension, and his body got taken over by whatever alien things are in the, the dimension. Yes, the electroids. And now he's electroid, and now he wants to return to return the to the eighth dimension. The electroid inside his head wants to turn to the electroid dimension. Yes. But we can't... Buckaroo Bonsai and his team can't let that happen. And so... They can't let it happen because there's there's two types of electroids. There's the orange <laughs> electroids. You understood way more yeah, than I did. Buying, I was, I was because I was following because we put subtitles on it um, for it, uh, even though they're a bit delayed. Um, but like, I was following it through the um, subtitles because there's two electroids. There's the black electroids and the red electroids. The red electroids were the bad guys. Uh-huh. The black electroids uh, were like semi good guys. Um, the red electroids wanted to get back to the eighth dimension, but the black electroids couldn't allow it because it mm. would cause some sort of war. So the black electroids said to Buckaroo um, Buckaroo Banzai, I keep saying his name differently every time, that if you let should we call him Buck, young Buck, Buck. Uh, if you Buck, right Buck, yeah. let me lay it down for you, Buck. If you let the orange electro, uh, the red electroids get hold of the ability to go to the eighth dimension, we will cause a disruption that will start the cold war and the uh <sighs> russians and uh americans will start firing nukes at each other so basically if you don't stop the um red dimensions uh, red i didn't get that at all but that's what the what was i paying attention to the woman that you, you i was trying to get tickets to a gig <laughs> tomorrow I guess. The, the black woman that came down in the hologram and like the weird accent. There's a few weird accents in this, but we'll come to that. Uh, she explains all of that. She says that they um, they can't. The red electroids can't go to the eighth dimension. That's where we paused it so I could get the gig tickets because yeah. I want to see Darwin D's tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, she said that she would call, that they would cause uh, the Cold War. So um, they have to basically they have to stop the red electroids getting back to the eighth dimension. Yes. Um, that's 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 the basic plot. Certainly is. Um, purely, uh, just initial. We usually get into just kind of initial, initial thoughts. I like the idea of this film. You like the idea of it, but I didn't enjoy the film, and uh, I feel like there's this this whole because this film is very famously got a cult following mm. among like geekdom. And you I, can see why. You can. I see think it's why. why I was saying it's like it. It kind of because now, like nerd culture is kind of is the mainstream now. It's mm. cool, but it feels like this movie was at least in the character of like Buckaroo Bonsai and his crew. It was like it was making it was making things cool. Mm. Like we're the cool nerds. We're the astrophysicists and the rocket scientists. We're going to shoot some aliens. Everybody like, loves us. Everybody reads our comics. Yeah, we're all we're just knocking Everybody about buys our, our albums. funky hipster glasses and whatnot and. Jeff Goldblum's here. Jeff Goldblum is here also. Was he famous by that point or was he still I a... don't... Where was Fly? I, I think the Fly that. was after it. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of the movie googling things I thought were references to find out if they came out before. Yeah. Because I initially thought with the rocket car, they keep referring to the rocket car over the radio as... Eight, what was it? HP-88? Hmm. And I was thinking, is 88 a reference to 88 miles an hour? Back but to the Back to the Future came out a year after yeah and then we're also there's a character in it called john o'connor and we were like is that john connor reference but terminator came out the same year as buckaroo bonsai so my i'm all over the place and then the tight opening title crawl at the beginning i was like that is that star wars Hmm. but But did star wars came out come out before 84 yeah when did star Star wars Wars came out out in the 70s star 77 70 how many sevens for Star Wars? I'm trying to Google it. So, no, keep talking. Uh, fun fact. The last uh, guillotine uh, execution in France was done on the uh, same year that Star Wars came out. 1977. There you go. So that was also the last guillotine. So <laughs> we just learned two things at once. Yeah. There you go. Who needs school? Certainly not us. 
No, if you have our podcast, kids, you don't. Need I was school. bad at school, so I wouldn't listen to. Um, uh, what was it? So, I can't remember what I was saying before. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, geek um, to culture that like this film, and I get it, and I understand. There's a lot of there's some fun stuff in this that I quite like as references. Um, there's even a few lines that make you laugh mm-hmm. um, and that are really really cool, but. I feel like this film isn't as fun as it should be for that kind of film. Considering that the almost the point of this film is that you kind of get lost deliberately because of all the references to the quote-unquote previous adventures that have mm. happened, you shouldn't be this lost. Uh, sorry, you shouldn't be having this... Uh, it shouldn't be as sort of straightforward and not as fun as this. Yeah, I just didn't... I just wasn't as into like the kind of the kind of would you call it campy? Like I was thinking about is it who, who the actor who plays the villain? Uh oh, John. the guy from Third Rock from the Sun, John, John, yeah, John, John. Are you listening? I'll I'll get it, Danny. <laughs> this <laughs> is where you. when I have to look things up, you have to like distract the um, audience. Yeah, and then I just shout things like. But it's because you were midpoint. John Lithgow. Yeah, John Lithgow. So, like, things like that where he's he's doing it so ridiculous and over the top. And I'm just not into it. Like, hmm. I'm not I'm not finding it, like, fun. Hmm. Like, I watched, like, uh, like Troll 2. The, the actress who plays the kind of witch in that. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm jo- I fucking joy to watch because she's playing <laughs> over the top of stuff. But I don't know, just this, there was a lot of that kind of elements of things. Where it's supposed to be like wacky and crazy, and I just wasn't. I just wasn't. It wasn't like gelling hmm. with like me at all, and I just there was like there's lines in it that were definitely funny, but that was like the extent of it for me. I kind of felt like yeah, like I didn't really get much else out of it. Yeah, I, I feel think. like from now on, I'll like that I'll get references from Buckaroo Banzai, but. I won't ever want to rewatch the film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could sit through that again. Because it was just... It was just a bit slow, a bit dull. And because you're, you're not... Because you're almost deliberately not supposed to be quite invested in the characters, you're kind of lost. You feel like... Yeah. It feels like you're the only one that you don't know many people at a party and you're just stood around being like, um, so what do I do now? It's a very good way of describing it yeah because yeah. you're like you know if you're in a social group that all know each other really well and they're all like remember that time that that yeah. happened and that time that happened you're like yeah I, I guess this is fun for you guys but there isn't there isn't enough goofy stuff there isn't enough over the top stuff I mean this is the 80s all of these over the top stuff happened in this, this decade he was uh, wearing two films. belts two belts what are you talking about not over the top how much do you need to keep your jeans that's up? one too many belts <laughs> Exactly, one hundred percent. You can't even put. You don't even. What do you have? Two belt holes in your jeans. The loops. Don't lie to me. Yes, that's why I meant loops. Yeah, I just said it wrong because I'm uneducated. That's all right. That's all right. Um, yeah, it just wasn't quite as fun as it should have been. I would have really got behind the joke, the central joke of this film, if I also thought it was fun. Yeah, because I just I don't think. I don't understand how anyone gets could get connected to this film because there's just I just didn't feel like there was anything to get connected to. There was a lot of just flashy images that and oh funny quips and Jeff Goldblum's acting a bit weird, but like there was nothing to really like get me invested hmm. at all in what was going on. And granted, the plot is nonsense, but you know there's lots of films where the plot is nonsense and you still get on board with it. But, yeah, it's just, like, you've got this whole crew of, like, quite talented people. And there's just... Nobody's really doing anything. They're all just mumbling their way through it. None of the the, the eight members of the band I thought were particularly interesting. There's... Mm. Even, like, Jeff Goldblum. It's like, yeah, he's there. It's fun because he's Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. But I thought Peter Weller was... I, and, again, but it's like... I is it being played that way... See, I think purposely. Like, I think the problem is, is that I really like Peter Weller's performance, but it doesn't work when all of his friends are doing the exact same performance. Yeah. I think you would have. I think I would have even embraced a sort of Goonies like everybody's got a bit of a quirk. I would oh. have embraced that more 
if then where Peter Weller is at the centre of it being sort of just monotone, dry, letting things roll over, uh, and everybody kind of had a bit of personality. Yeah. Uh, like he was the straight man. Because he's playing it as the straight man when everyone is playing it as the straight man. Mm. Yeah, so you just end up with a bunch of dull straight men. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and nobody's really... And it took me a while to realise that one of those dull straight men was Clancy Brown. And I was like, oh... Yeah, yeah, you're Clancy. Oh, they're, they're, that's where you've been hiding, Clancy Brown. That's it's just where, in the middle of the scene. Where are you hiding, Clancy Brown? My favorite children's book. <laughs> um, it's, it seemed like there was there was some kind of like echoes of what would become modern Doctor Who. Yeah, through Buckaroo Bonsai, I thought. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's to do with the moment that hit me was where he's kind of in the striped suit and he seems to be wearing like sneakers or yeah. like Converse or something like that. Oh my god, I wonder if. And it seemed very David Tennant. Yeah. To me. And yeah, I th- well, it wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't far off of being like a almost David Tennant. Yeah. Well, he's got that kind of. He's got the sort of doctory look about him, mm. and you know, he's a he's a science man, and he. But he's a cool guy, and he says a lot of weird things. That you, but then, but then everybody in the movie says weird things. So nobody, nobody's like, yeah, he doesn't stand out. Nobody's he's really just, defined. No one is defined at all. There was just nothing to attach yourself to in this. I thought, aside from some flashy images and a couple of one-liners, I don't get why like this. Like I truly don't. Like I, I've I've watched it, and I don't like I don't hmm. get why this is a thing that people would like hold dear I know I've tried other than that like I feel like there's much better films out there that capture like the spirit of the 80s and stuff like Mm. that and the kind of wackiness of it than than that Hmm. I've tried to watch this film twice before yeah and I've just I I, at the time I was like they're just wondering whether it's me that's struggling to connect with this film or this film doesn't have anything to connect with and I was when you said that we should do it for this. I was like, this is a good idea. This is a good excuse yeah. to just fucking watch the film. Finally, it's, it's almost it's almost like this idea of this achievement of I just want to have watched this film so that if any like if it comes up for anything that I understand like what Buckaroo Bands is yeah. about and stuff. But now w- watching it with you and watching it right the way through to the end, I feel like um I'm realized why I struggled to get through it before. Mm. It's just it's just it's just not that interesting. Geeks. You're picking the wrong movie. It's just not interesting. Nothing happens. Do you think there's an element of like that we're too far removed from it now? That yeah, and that we've seen it not only like years after it came out, but also when we're a lot older now. Like, do you think if we saw this when we were younger, we'd have like kind of got more on board with it? I don't think I would have. As a kid, I I did get like I got majorly on board of eighties films. Growing up, I was like huge on eighties films, especially Back to the Future. But then there's so much, um, like personality in like the characters of Marty and Doc, mm. and even the mythology, which is probably Buckaroo Banzai's strongest aspect. And that's not saying that much. But the mythology in Back to the Future is memorable. You like you even said yeah. that eighty-eight miles per hour is how fast the DeLorean needs to go so it can time travel. Yeah, it's powered by the flux capacitor. Like it's just all so memorable, and so you get so ingrained, and you can quote Back to the Future because it's so fun and engrossing. And in this, you're like the mythology just doesn't. It's not as colorful. It no. doesn't grab you as much. The characters aren't as in like having as much fun. Even Christopher Lloyd's in this a year before he did. Back yeah, to the it's crazy. Um, and he's like not quite bringing the enthusiasm he yeah. brought to Doc. But I guess it's because he's playing an alien. I know. But, but then John Lithgow's playing an alien, and he's wacky and over hmm. the top. And I, he's he's playing Hitler at points. Like he's doing the kind of he's standing up on a podium in a big trench coat with you know star medals hanging off it yelling about how they need to you know the workers they need to do more and stuff like that and i was like this is this is weird it's a weird route to go down <laughs> yeah and he's got the kind of half germany accent thing that he's putting on and i feel like with this the problem with that villain is that you're always going to remember him more as john lifkow than you will as the bad guy from Buckle yeah it's so like that one where john Lif- lifkow looked like he was having a really good time mm-hmm. uh performing over the top um 
but like I don't it's not memorable this film needs to be more colourful it needs to be more um, punchy it needs to be a bit more goofy it needs something to give itself some character yeah and then other than just they're all wearing wacky costumes yeah and, and then the whole premise of it's a it's a it's a like a, a TV series but you're caught halfway in the middle that would be fun that that you could get on board with that you mm-hmm. could get on board with the ridiculous stuff do they they got pretty ahead of themselves do you think with the or do you think the the end is a joke in where it's like Buckaroo Bonds I will be back in I think it's a um a joke uh, although I think they did try to make it that doesn't surprise me um but I think the idea I think it's the same for the Machete films. They did that. They said Machete will return and Machete 2 and Machete 3, Machete goes to space. And I think <laughs> those were supposed to be jokes, although they made Machete 2 and then he was threatening to make Machete goes to space. I've not seen any of the Machetes. Um, no but that's kind of... Do you know what? Machete has the same idea that it's like halfway through this mythology and stuff, but at least Machete's having fun with it. Mm. Um, but I don't... I... Yeah, I I like to think the people who made it were having fun with it. It's just that we haven't gotten enjoyment out of it. I just don't think it's because obviously wacky people enough. do like it. Yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be referenced in you know Wes Anderson movies and Steven Spielberg movies and maybe, yeah, maybe it is just something we're not connecting with. Hmm. I don't know. It's just not the right type of wacky for us. Yeah, well, I just don't think it's memorable. Even the aliens, I don't think look memorable. The spaceships, I don't think, look memorable. One yeah. of them looks like Zoidberg from Futurama. That's, That's about the most memorable one. The The aliens kind of reminded me of um, Bad Taste. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, Peter Jackson's first movie. Kind of reminded me of that with the, you know, they're all dressed in suits. And they look normal until they, you know, the, the masks are kind of ripped off. And then they're just weird, deformed <laughs> alien creatures, but still in, you know, three-piece suits. It reminded me a lot of that. I think Bad Taste must have been after this. I would have thought so. As well. But again, I want, yeah, I wonder if maybe there's elements of that as well that, like, because we've seen a lot of the stuff. 1987, so yeah, a good few years after it. Because um, you think about, uh, like, remember when John Carter came out? John Carter of Mars. Yeah. And I remember there was a kind of thing of people saying that it was a lot of stuff that we had seen before. But the issue in that, the is, irony, that yeah. is that, yeah, is that John Carter inspired it, the, pop, a lot the original of the, yeah, pop, the original pop novel, yeah. novel, like inspired like yeah, pop, so many stories and things. Star like that. Wars is like uh, a ripoff of many things, yeah. including um, John Carter. And from so Mars. I wonder if there's an element of like because so many things are kind of influenced by this that maybe to us it feels like nothing new. But then, the as I say, the central joke hasn't been done. I don't feel like I've seen a film where the jokes are quite as on, like, quite as, like, upfront about being... Like, one of the, the, the central, like, jokes that embodies this is the watermelon joke. Yeah. They're going through Buckeye Banzai's, like, house, his uh-huh. base. You said it a weird I way. say it weird each <laughs> time. I don't know why I can't. It's the eternal My struggle. dyslexic brain can't get hold of those words and keep them yeah. still. Uh, they're going through his base of operations. And Jeff Goldman, who's just um, uh, joined. And they walk through a room and there's a watermelon that's in some sort of clamp. And um, Jeff Goldblum's like, why is that watermelon there? And Buckaroo goes, I'll tell you later. And it's supposed to be this idea that maybe in a previous film mm. or issue or a volume that there was a reason why that watermelon was there. And it's a little wink, wink, nod, nod to the audience. Ah, oh, remember the watermelon from the previous mm-hmm. film. But we are not included. We're not including we're not that joke to it. because we don't see it. Um, I don't think I've seen a film try to do that outside of this. No. Which would be interesting now because we're in like that age of Marvel Cinematic Universe where we can get away with yeah, doing that wink, yeah, well, wink, where they do do that yeah yeah, like where they do it legitimately like wink wink nudge nudge to the previous film is like basically half the film that's why you go there yeah. you go there so that um, you, you can, can go, be rewarded for yeah, knowing these like, things yeah. so that you can go I get that and pat yourself on the back well done you've went to the cinema <laughs> you've done a very easy thing it'd almost be really interesting to remake this film like with mm. that in mind um, like it's it's maybe even not specifically Buckaroo, but like 
like another like making a character. It would work well now that, like you said, these kind of shared universes are all the range. Mm. There, everyone's got a shared universe. Me, we've got a shared universe. Yeah, us and the Australian the S- political system, the SOU, the Second Opinion Universe, and our spin-off. Scott runs for Prime Minister of Australia. And succeeds. And succeeds. Spoilers. That's the whole podcast. <laughs> name. Um, it'd be interesting to like make up a character and then like pretend he's in this cinematic universe and he crosses over all these other characters, but it's just all made up for this one film. Be interesting to see that done. Mm. Um, so it's weird that like this that you saying that they're going back to your point saying that like has it been done before? I don't feel like that idea has been done before. Yeah. No, I don't think... I don't think... Yeah, I don't think I could think of something that's done it quite like that that's not a comic book movie or anything like that. Because, hmm. you know, you got fucking like Batman v Superman, which seems to imply that there is a huge history of things that have happened up to that point yeah. in that universe. But yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head film wise that is quite like this does Black Dynamite do that it's been a long time since I've seen Black Dynamite I don't think so no Black Dynamite has an initial setup of his brother as his brother gets killed his brother gets shot oh jeez I should have rewatched Black Dynamite yeah we should yeah I haven't seen it in a long time I think I have it or I maybe don't (laughs) well yeah it's definitely one of them we'll never find out Uh, um yeah and I, I just and even just and I get that it's it's a cheaply made film, hmm. but there's a lot of basics, like basic kind of stuff, like the score. There's a lot of scenes that feel like they need music hmm. to just make them pop a bit more, just bring them to life a bit. And there's just nothing, and instead you just have these actors talking in wide shots and very hollow sounding rooms, and it just all feels very. It just I think makes the whole film feel a lot cheaper than it could have if you just had decent bed of music i think the main theme is very good yeah i'm gonna be whistling that for days oh uh, you're a, you're an absolute fan i absolutely love it i'm just, we had it I, I hope play at the beginning of this episode so you'll have got a little little taste little tipple um but yeah there was just a lot of stuff like that where i just thought it just needed a lot of scenes just needed like an extra pinch of something mm. to just make it a bit more engaging Instead of I was just drifting off, like there's constantly. a lot of like heavy dialogue mm. explaining stuff. Mm. A lot of it is. Well, there's a scene where a character shows up as a hologram to explain the whole plot, <laughs> and apparently, if you miss it, you have no idea. What's apparently, going on. so. Apparently, if you're booking tickets to see Darwin D's, then <laughs> uh, they, didn't, they didn't factor that in when they produced. This I'll be film thinking about that tomorrow night when I'm standing watching Darwin <laughs> D's. I'm going to be thinking about Buckaroo Bonds. I'm going to miss the whole gig. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like I just don't have a lot to say. I just feel very like dispassionate towards that film. Like it just felt like such a passive experience. Like yeah, I've seen it now, and my life is completely unchanged. I wanted to because it's such a big deal in geek community, and I'm a big fan of the geek community. I do like some of the cult films you end up watching. You're like, yeah, this is fucking amazing. I remember the first time I watched Rocky Horror Show. I was like, oh, I get mm. this. I get why mm. this is a cult film. This is so much fun. Um, but and I was kind of hoping that by the end of the film, I'd come out with it understanding why everyone loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I still feel the same as when I tried to watch it those yeah. two times. Just disconnected and well, not really. Fast. Now you never have to try again. Now. Yeah, and I'll still get the references. Now you know that because because it's one of these cult films that I'm. <laughs> I want to be. I want to have said I've watched it so that I can at least criticize in it, criticize it, knowing that I've seen it. Because mm. that's one of those things you don't want to. Like it's always the thing you don't want to tell everyone how bad the Twilight films are if you've never seen the Twilight films. Yeah, um, you've you've got to like watch it and then you can explain yourself. And I, I explain that just yeah, I should say disconnected. Yeah. Well, you know what? Not everything has to be. Not everything for has us. to be for us, Danny. Yeah. I'm glad you feel the same way, though, Scott. Yeah, you know, I'm glad. Well, we've yet. What are we? Three episodes. Three episodes, and now we haven't really. 
I, I definitely liked Suspiria a lot more than you did, but I feel like we've kind of been on relatively the same page. I think there's something to be said for that when you watch a film with someone. A lot of the time you generally come out feeling the same way. Yeah. Have you ever felt that? I feel like it's as if like, you both rub strange. off on one another. That sounds like a dissertation. But maybe it's because the people I watch films with most of the time are in your bubble. Are I guess so. It's like you and friend of the podcast, Michael Kelly. Someone that I disagree with greatly a lot of the time, actually, now that I think about it, is friend of the podcast, Jamie Boyle. We disagree so often. Hmm. So maybe that... But... The, but so maybe there's but I don't know I just feel like a lot of the time when I see a film with someone I generally we come out feeling more or less the same way and it's only when I watch stuff separate from people Mm. that we kind of come with different I think maybe it's because you end up having these discussions yeah and you both by the end of it get on the same you're almost like one's higher than the other one's lower and then mm. you kind of like even yourselves out I don't know that is very bizarre because it should just be a personal experience yeah yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just some something. I wonder about. why that is. I wonder if there is like a study on that. Maybe we should do it, Danny. Maybe we should. Maybe we should finally put our degrees to good use. We'll use Buckaroo Buckaroo Banzai as like. <laughs> God help you! You're trying <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai as the central uh, control thing. Like everybody has to the watch conceit. it. Somebody, some watch it with friends. Some watch it on their own and see who oh, likes I it. I can't more. imagine watching this movie on my own. You were a safety net. You were like, it was like, well, I could turn around and make a joke to Danny or talk. Like, let's talk about some of the weird stereotypes in this. Okay, the black electroids. Well, see, is one it? Yeah, there is that. Why is Peter Weller half Japanese? That yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! One of the me. weird things about this is that well, Peter Weller's character is introduced in the text at the beginning as half American, half Japanese. Yeah. He doesn't look half Japanese. Yeah, it's also never really brought up again. No, he's supposed to know martial arts, but I don't think he ever uses martial arts. No. It seems weird. It seems like a cheat that sort of... Um, I think I've mentioned a couple of times on the, the podcast, that sort of weird, especially around the 80s, that weird racist stereotype that Asian people are magical... Because yeah. they're from a part of the world we don't quite know much about. <laughs> Mysterious, <laughs> inscrutable <Bel-Ire. laughs> That's a great community reference. Um, yeah, that sort of weird, that weird stereotype that especially was quite prominent in the 80s. Prominent in uh, um, Big Trouble in Little Chinatown, which yeah. is relevant to this. Big Tr- Trouble in Little Chinatown has like the it's main... It's just Big Trouble in Little China. Where are you getting the town from? Is it? Yeah. Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, fair enough. Don't know why I keep saying chopping you out. Um, so you don't make a fool of yourself? <laughs> I've already made a fool of myself. It's, it's, this thing is recording. Mind you, I'm editing. I'll just, yeah, just cut, cut this whole thing out. Big trouble on little chuck. And then the other. Anyway, as, I, as I'm saying completely afresh. Edit point. <laughs> um, li- um, big trouble in Little China. Like, has the central villain is kind of a weird, maybe slightly now uncomfortable yeah. Asian stereotype where Asian is magical, and that's done. That was written by the director of this film. Is that right? It was. Yeah, he apparently helped write it. Oh, he helped write mm. it. Okay, so he did have some influence. Yeah. So that's kind of weird that they're kind of connected in that sort of slightly racist but then they're probably basing it off like Star Wars did basing it off of these sort of um, old pulp novels who hmm. would have that were made in like the 40s and 50s it definitely had that feel to it hmm. it had a kind of like a hipster Flash Gordon kind of vibe to it the whole film yeah. <laughs> hipster Flash Gordon from hipster the Flash 80s Gordon. I'd say I'd watch it but if it's like that then I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that was the end of my point that was it that's all you had to say. I don't. Oh, the black electrodes. Yeah, they were. They they spoke. Yeah, the whole Jamaican. Jamaican thing, yeah, they yeah. spoken it like it's not quite Jamaican, but it, it's like it's it does feel uncomfortably like a racist person has said, "Speak like a black person." Would speak. <laughs> 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 oh, what? Well, <laughs> it does feel really weird. Even the the scientist that's um uh 
Buckaroo's like friend who helps him create the portal thing. Even his like accent is so exaggerated. Yeah. You're like, you don't actually speak like that, man. Why you have to? Why do you have to put this accent on just to make sure? Just so we're, just so you're aware, '80s audience. He is Asian. He's not American. He's Asian. I guess it's just trying to add. Do you think it's just trying to add to more of that sort of over the top zany vibe that they were trying to go? I'd for? like to say yes. Because they have that that the, there's a recurring joke that one of the characters is called is it Big Bootay Big Bootay It's Christopher Lloyd. That's his joke. That's his contributor. And it comes that joke is repeated so many times, <laughs> and I don't ever think I laughed. And it just it was like by the towards the end, it, hearing that name was like nails on a chalkboard because <laughs> I was so done with it. It's weird because the the aliens set up this fake company on Earth to disguise themselves. And they, for some strange reason, everyone in the company is called John. Yeah. Because they seem to think that's the only human name. And then all of them have that some sort quite of... That's quite funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then they've all got some sort of variation of a weird surname. And one of them is John Big Booty. And he says, it's pronounced Bootay. Bootay. Yeah. Or Bootay. Whatever he says. I think it was Bootay, yeah. Um, and that's, that's Christopher Lloyd's joke. That was before Back to the Future, so he wasn't quite international famous yeah he took he took what he got we were both big fans of the uh the the high jump edit that was very good where they jump and then we cut to a second shot of them like <laughs> reaching the roof of the, the well the top of the wall yeah which i would say you know say how else are you gonna do that without crazy it's, it's effects. funny because you you can tell they were just like just jump actor yeah and, and then, then we'll just cut as her. you get off the ground before coming down because you're a victim of gravity like everyone else we'll cut to another <laughs> this cruel this cruel cruel war <laughs> against gravity that we're in <laughs> it's just just immediate cut that you can tell it's before he comes right back i now. thought it was hilarious um, um but that i think i i assume that they know that that's a bad edit you know and they, they're making fun yeah. Um, there was elements of that that I enjoyed, but yeah, on the whole, CGI is dated, but it's not, or the special effects rather, the special effects are dated, but it's not too bad. Some of the spaceships going through the sky, you're like, it's, pretty, it's all pretty bad, to be honest. <laughs> <But it's> like, <laughs> I can't get on. I think, I think, I think if you think of more of us at the time and the budget, I think they're not too bad. Uh huh. They the, the spaceships going through the sky feel solid enough. They don't feel natural. They don't actually feel like they're There's in the sky. There's a couple of ones. Yeah, when the massive one kind of flies past mm-hmm. the little one, that looked quite cool. I like the line, was it, uh, we didn't, we're not in the eighth dimension, we're flying over New Jersey. That's yeah, that line. was funny. That's what I mean. There's some good, there's some good quips. I really like the visual gag with, uh, where they're in the, the, the sort of T-junction corridor and the aliens keep running at them. And they have to keep shooting them, and it kind of happens like five <laughs> times in a row, like one by one, where it's just like, ah, ah, I thought that was very good. Um, yeah, there's a couple, like, there's a couple of moments I could kind of pick out that I enjoyed. Um, the New Jersey line is very good. I did enjoy that, but um, yeah, I honestly don't think I have anything else to say. No, I don't think either. This is quite a negative one. Yeah, which is a shame because it's, as I say, so popular so it's a shame that... We're just so against the grain, Danny. Ah, we're so different though. We are just very different. We're not like those other geeks. I'm so unique that I, sometimes I just, I can't even comprehend it. My uniqueness. Sometimes I'm alone in my lack of connection with other human beings because I am just quite unique. You know how many other people own this H&M t-shirt? Probably lots. <laughs> but have I ever seen them? No. No. So as far as I'm concerned, it's just me. And I don't even think they sell it anymore. So who's laughing now? Mr. Unique. That's what they call me. I'm going to be supporting Pitbull in his next concert. Because he's Mr. Worldwide. Worldwide Web. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Shall we wrap it there? Shall we wrap it the Pitbull Do you have much joke? more to say? No. Neither do I. Um, if you want to get in contact with us I um, can't remember the question we asked at the beginning oh, tell us if you know of a TV series that has a central mystery and you think it actually pays off really well yes. if you do have one of them we'd be fascinated to know go uh, Twitter, Facebook at uh, Second Opinion that's uh, Second with a 2 yep. um, yeah. I also started using Instagram to plug our show I think I'm going to make a 
Instagram account for yeah. the show. I'm trying to use Instagram. I'm I'm going through this phase of just not liking Facebook at all. Yeah, because it's um, bad. I just don't like going on Facebook. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and use Instagram more often. Maybe next week we'll have like an Instagram account, and maybe we can just use our own Instagram. Well, stuff. right now, spaced underscore seventeen is currently. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's my account. Is uh, currently shamelessly plugging our little podcast that could. Um, by stealing other people's artwork and posting it, being like, hey, <laughs> come watch our movie or listen to our podcast, whatever it is we do here. Spaced underscore 17. Underscore 17. Uh, with that, Daniel, uh, eat your JK Simmons, stuff them all in your face hole. Um, uh, yeah. Fucking, I didn't like Buckaroo Bonsai oh, not nearly as much as I didn't like Ready Player One. <laughs> look forward to that episode i feel like we're yeah. foreshadowing it a lot recently that my ramblings that are gonna come you're really building it up. oh i'm gonna need to do research. this is the second opinion series arc i'm gonna fucking need to do research and i don't want to i don't want to watch that movie again but i'm gonna have to um with that in the words of peter weller Remember when he gets fucking shot to death in the beginning of Robocop? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs>